This is Shifron Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. It's Easter soon, we'll be, we'll be okay. Because <laughs> it's Pancake Day yesterday. It's now Lent, isn't it, officially? So. We're in Lent, yeah. Um, did you celebrate Pancake Day? Lent. Did you make a I pancake? I did, I, tra- I made some pancakes, but I can't really eat wheat, so um, I couldn't really eat them. I didn't know but, that about um, you. Yeah, well, I didn't until fairly recently, and I realised that I was getting stomach pains, and I stopped having wheat, and then it went away, so I think that's what it is. So, presumably flour is bad, then? Yeah, exactly, so anything with with wheat and bread and flour and stuff, and quite often if we have snacks on this show, as long as they don't have too much, it's kind of okay, and we don't have, like, a bap, or, you know, some things are worse than others. Well, I was going to say, on Schiffer and Stop, when we've had snacks in the past, I... I think I could count on one hand the ones that have had wheat in them. Mm. It tends to be sugar and fat. Yeah, but they aren't like biscuit-based things or things with biscuit in them. There's always a bit of a risk. Mm. So, yeah, it's like it does get around wheat. You can never be too sure. Are you finding it difficult not to eat wheat? Yeah, quite often, yeah. And often I'll know that it will hurt the next day, but I'll just go, oh, fuck it, I'll just have some. What's the thing? What's the thing that you can't not eat even though it hurts the next day? Well, if I'm really hungry and literally all there is is bread, I'll just have some. So bread is quite it's quite a difficult one to avoid, and mm. I think especially if like if you're at an event or something, and or a, a conference or a workshop or something, and they put on a lunch, there's usually it's usually sandwiches. It's usually it? very yeah. It's, there's yeah. usually nothing. It's either there might be pastry which you can't really have because it's got wheat in, right. flour in. Um, yeah, sandwiches, wraps, anything like that. It's all flour. Wow. So you end up just having like some fruit. And as a vegetarian as well, I can't just go. Oh, I'll just have as sausages. I'll just have so, all the meat that's on uh, yeah, the side of yeah, the bread. Yeah. Yeah, meat and so bread is pretty different. much all I eat, actually. Like, mm. uh, meat, bread and sugar. Mm. Do you feel like your diet's changed since you became a dad? This is the first time I've seen you in person, oh, by the way, since you, were, since you went through the change. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, my diet hasn't changed that much. My drinking habits have changed. Oh, interesting. In yeah. that I'm drinking uh, no caffeine. Right. Which uh, was quite difficult to begin with. Um, mm. l- losing Coke from my diet was, yeah. was very tricky. I drink a lot more whiskey. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, just... Uh, Relax you at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it was a coincidence, but around Christmas, I went to see some friends and we had a whiskey tasting night mm. where we got a whole range of different whiskeys. You know, different people bought different bottles of, of varying prices from the very cheap to the fairly expensive. Mm. And uh, we, we tried to educate our palates over the course of the evening. Oh, right. So we yeah. would taste little sips of them, and then gradually, having having tasted them all individually, we then started doing blind testing, where we, where somebody else pours you a, a sip, and then you try and work out which one it was. Mm. Uh, I was very bad at this, right. and got increasingly bad over the course of the evening, <laughs> but I did develop a bit of a taste for the fairly expensive single malt whiskies, mm. uh, and so subsequently have found some fairly good deals in Sainsbury's, um, and there's uh, an Isle of Jura single malt in fact they've got a couple in their range which are really good mm. and very simple and um, yeah quite quite enjoyable it's got, got quite a, a new a new grown up palate this could be a new spot on Chiffon Stop yeah whiskey, whiskey tasting, tasting yeah. I've, I'm enjoying one at the moment uh, I can't quite remember the name of it but it's got a little bit of banana on the nose oh yeah oh yeah interesting <laughs> it's very tasty do you think this could be a new collection for you in some way yeah you definitely will <laughs> the other one I've just started recently is um, lock picking mm. I haven't actually started but yeah. in my head, I'm now a very successful lockpicker because I've watched a lot of videos on YouTube. Right. Have you ordered, seen... you ordered the kit? Oh, yeah. Stuff? yeah. I've ordered the so kit. You got it. And by the end of this week, I should be a lockpicker. I should have picked my first lock. If have I you actually it. got the kit? You, it has it's, arrived. It's arriving right. probably tomorrow. Right. But in my head, Leila, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, can yeah. really I can pick the shit out of some locks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know exactly, having read a lot and, mm. and watched a lot of videos... I can already sense what the, each tumbler is going to feel like mm. and the, the keyway. I know all the terminology. Mm. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, and, yeah, I'm already at the stage mentally where if you were locked out of your house, just give me a call. Mm. I, right, I'll come right. out. I'll let you in. No problem. It's good that you're so so <laughs> far ahead already. <laughs> I'm really confident. Yeah. I've got no basis for this confidence. But I, I the techniques to, are in um, my head now. Yeah, I, I went because you have to rake the little pins back and stuff. Well, you, or you could try single pin picking. You oh, know, if right. you want to be a, a, a little bit more subtle in your art, ah. you might want to do them individually do them rather individually. than just raking the hell out of it. Right. Yeah, that's pretty quick. If you're if you're competition picking, oh. some raking might get you there faster. But if you're a bit of a purist about it, then so some SPP comes... or single pin picking. <laughs> 
Any any lock pickers listening to the show, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch and challenge Rue to a race or whatever it is. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> race. Also, send me your locks if you've got any locks that you're bored of that mm. you think uh, a novice oh. like me would be challenged by. Mm. Um, I'll give you an address. Uh, that you can send them to. I would love to have your locks. Um, I don't know what I can give you in return. A shout out on on Chiffron Stock, perhaps. Yeah, a photo of you modelling them. Yeah, I've put, put it in my beard. <laughs> yeah, I tried lock picking at the uh, London Hack Space once. They had like a lock picking coaching session thing. But um, yeah, I found loads of the people there. Obviously, had never done anything like like it before and weren't especially geeky or anything could all do it straight away and and i was absolutely terrible at it i couldn't do it at all oh, no. but since then i have sort of done it on people's houses um <laughs> when i've had to well when the lock's been really rusty and old and the pins have been stuck i've sort of pushed them back with hairpins and stuff wow to that's and really it. risky so <laughs> just to you know so i can put the key in and nice. get in because otherwise the key kept getting yeah. stuck and it couldn't get it back into the house um, and then the other day I helped somebody at the gym break into their padlock, a uh, little cheap padlock thing they got on the, the gym. Um, uh, what, like a combination lock? Yeah, which, you know, are the easiest ones to, to hack. How did you, you do it? What was your attack? Well, you did, you, can... did you shim it? Did you use <laughs> oh, a little shim? Oh, God, I don't know the, I don't know the terminology. How did I'm you not do as it? much of an expert as you. <laughs> it wasn't, presumably wasn't just a, a brute force attack. What was your uh, what was your technique? You didn't try all 999? No, but I think, you know, combination locks, you can feel when, they, when they're in the right place. So you move the oh, little numbers around. Like a safe cracker. They do, but yeah, they totally oh, do. Exciting. They click and they feel like they're, I mean, this could be your next step. But now you've conquered yeah, normal locks. <laughs> In my head, I haven't yet conquered combination locks. Yeah, well, you could if you put your mind to it, you could yeah. have conquered them by tomorrow without ever touching one. I have oh, to get some combination locks as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, we could do it on the show. I think generally the cheaper and crap of the lock, for example, like combination locks used by children and students, mm. is actually quite easy to work out if you've got a bit of time and you can. It doesn't even take that long, I don't think. On, speaking of lock picking, I've already developed a code of ethics around lock picking. Oh, interesting. Of course yeah, you have, right? Has it been published anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll say it now. So yes. you know, my, my, I can always point to this. Mm. I've borrowed it, obviously, from other much more successful lock pickers than I. <laughs> right. um, but the, the rules are: you shouldn't pick any locks that you don't own. Right. So unless somebody's given you explicit permission, yeah, to pick a lock. That's naughty. Yeah. Clearly. But what if you? What if somehow your uh, your child was trapped in a shed? And uh, <laughs> someone put a padlock on it, and um, and it was an emergency, and it wasn't actually your lock, but it was in the interest of sa- saving your son. I think if somebody had illegally <laughs> imprisoned my child, I think I might. Put you some wouldn't of respect their moral, rights. Yeah, to the... some of my other moral principles might might go out the window. But in general, if somebody has has given you permission to pick a lock, that's that's uh, that's useful. The other one being that you you really, unless you absolutely need to shouldn't pick locks that are in use. Oh no, what's that? This has happened here before. It's a fire alarm. I think it's going Attention, to Attention please. This happened Attention time. please. We are investigating an alarm condition. Alarm it condition. It may be necessary to evacuate the this building. could go on for some time. Please listen for further announcements. Last time they, um, they kept doing this for about 40 minutes. Oh my god. Uh, it is quite nice now. Attention please. Attention, yeah, sure please. Sunny, we could try. Yeah, we are investigating an alarm condition. Red dwarf, but we can it may out. be necessary to. Shift, run, stop. Come on. So we've abandoned ship. <laughs> we have. We're recording. Yes, we. Ha- that was a bit red dwarf like, wasn't it? You know the episode with the uh, where it's the uh, the crunchy and the food vending machine um, <laughs> that sets off the um, self destruct alarm thing. A wooga, a wooga. <laughs> Abandoned ship. It was a bit like that. We're yeah. in uh, Chiffron Stop Park. <laughs> Chiffron Stop Park. It's lovely. It's so springy. It's good. I have you all can... these little flowers. And yeah, it's lovely. In the background, dogs. you can hear dogs, and you can hear uh, people walking their children, and you can just hear some tennis. You can hear the, the batting of a tennis ball against a racket. Just uh, they're quite good, actually, these people. They're all right. It's like intimidating. They look like they might be in a club. Yeah. Oh, she just hit it into the fence. <laughs> no, not so good now. They're being watched. People are talking to their dogs like they're children. <laughs> it's quite interesting. You don't really get that in the north. But <laughs> <laughs> people more realistic about their animals. Yeah. But people, are, yeah, people are much more like just shout like... Go on, you fucker! <laughs> and, like, and it's all kind of tone of voice and swearing at your dogs rather than um, 
<laughs> yeah, actually trying to have an entire conversation with them in proper sentences. Which is we are in fancy West London. I've noticed that everyone that walks their dogs around Victoria Park is basically a glamorous young lady as well. It's quite interesting. Are like they, when... uh, do they fall into the category that you might hear described as yummy mummies? <laughs> it could be. Maybe, maybe even younger, though, than that. Um, it seems to be a wealth thing. Glamorous young dog walkers? Could be. Um, I think it's a mixture. But like in Yorkshire, or certainly where I walk Brody. I'm probably the youngest person I ever see right. <laughs> with their dog on their yeah. own in the daytime. <laughs> but there's something else going on in London, economy-wise, I think. <laughs> but then most of the dogs you see, like, places like this are really small, I've noticed. I think there might be a correlation between the size of the city that you live in and the size of the dog. An inverse correlation. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Dogs um, that you can carry onto the tube. Yes, that's, that would be a problem. Brody's just about big enough to be carried on the tube, or just about small enough. <laughs> Um, but just on yeah, that edge. If you got any bigger, it'd be a real problem. You can really, well, you can take him on the bus, but that's not. That has other problems <laughs> attached to it as well. But yes, um, I don't know if I'd recommend having a dog in the city. Really. Later in this episode, uh, we're going to be watching Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch the first episode of the first season of Red Dwarf. So if you yes. want to join us in that, then uh, get get on iTunes or anywhere that uh, TV series are streamed or downloaded. Yeah, we don't advocate illegal downloads. No. Um, but if you find a legal one, we're all for it. Uh, where did you get yours? Uh, I rented it from... Love Film. Love Film, I think. Mm. Although today we're, we're going to watch it together. Yes. We did try this um, sort of over the phone uh, a couple of weeks ago and my Wi-Fi wasn't good enough so we couldn't do it from my house. But now I've uh, managed to download it Thanks to GDS for the Wi-Fi <laughs> just now. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was good. So now I've got um, the episode. We can watch it any time. Oh, let's do that later. Before we do, mm-hmm. I've got some snacks. Hey, great. I've got a present for you, Leila. Yes. Uh, what I've got here in my, in my sweaty little hand mm. are a pair oh. of Cadbury's Dairy Milk Ritz biscuits. Oh, wow. So these are Ritz crackers, yes. wrapped, enrobed, if you will, yes. in, Thank in you. dairy milk. I'll let you open that one. Were these recommended by somebody... Did you tweet this on Chiffre on Stop or something? Yeah, I saw somebody, yeah, somebody tweeted a picture of this packet and I thought they looked amazing. And right. I, I retweeted them as Chiffre on Stop. I think it was Dale Lane. Ah, thanks, Dale. Oh, now I was expecting one big Ritz Ooh, biscuit because that's what the, the yeah, packet seems to indicate. Very misleading. But uh, on the inside, we're seeing four very small Ritz crackers. It's like a sort of square domino. Um, yeah, so you get four, which is good, but they are a quarter of the size of what you're expecting. But the ratio is pretty good. You've got mm. a lot of chocolate to your to your biscuit. Mm. It's quite nice. It doesn't hold together very well. Like I just bit into that, assuming it would stick. The two bits of biscuit on either side would stick to it. And it's disintegrated already in my hand. So it seems for each of the quarters, for each each quadrant, you get a nice good chunky lump of chocolate. Mm. And then two Ritz biscuits, one stuck at the top and one stuck at the bottom. As you say, they're not incredibly stable. Mm. But I like it. I like mm. the salt with the sugar. Mm. I think good. it works, actually. I like, the, as you say, the chunkiness of the chocolate's really nice. Would you say that um, Ritz biscuits are normally associated with cheese and savoury mm. things? Mm. Mm. I think they are. So this is making me think that maybe you can either make your own with chocolate spread and chocolate buttons. Or have you seen uh, chocolate Philadelphia? No. Mm. Is that real? Or yeah, it's a real invented, thing. Right? Yeah, no, I didn't make it up. That sounds great. Yeah, chocolate Philadelphia, mm. quite yummy. Let's do it on the show. Chocolate cheese. If you're feeling a bit too healthy, why not try chocolate cheese? <laughs> what did you think of the, the biscuits then? What, what would your mark out of 10 be for the I reckon a, a strong 8 or nine even they actually are they look and taste better than they look in the picture which is unusual yes if you see them in the shops and you think oh they, they look terrible give mm. them a chance because they're, yeah. they're really good it's also good. interesting uh, use of a chocolate teapot <laughs> on the, le- on the lo- label yeah a bit of a sort of surreal joke as part of being a dad mm-hmm. the other thing I've done is uh, I've, t- I've taken up another podcast I've taken up with another <laughs> another man <laughs> oh <laughs> I knew it was coming sooner or later. Have you no, been listening? No, I have listened to. Um, I think I listened to some of the first one, and then I sort of been watching some the of the first one. <laughs> I'm busy. What do you want from me? No, I listened to most of the first one, and then I had to go and make dinner or something. Well, and it was very good. I thought and very interesting, and I learned lots about 
Well, the thing is, it's not really for me. No. It's for dads, and it's for people who've been through this birth experience and are yeah. interested in learning more about it and that sort of thing. But I, it wasn't something where I thought, oh, perfect, the thing I've always been waiting for, the podcast about being a dad. That's true. You're, you're definitely thought, not the target audience no. for beardy dads. You're, you're not a dad. Um, but I thought it was very good. Oh. But I am going to, um, to listen to some more. <laughs> And, they get uh, better. I'd, I'd recommend episode hmm. seven if you get a chance. Hmm. Okay. There's a, a surprising contribution. And th- who did the artwork? Was that Wes? Nick. Oh, right. Yeah, my friend okay. Nick did the art. Cool. Uh, Wes did the theme tune. Right. <laughs> uh, which is good. He wrote the theme tune. <laughs> Sang the theme tune. <laughs> and, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a professional yeah, it outfit. Great. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, it looks like, um, yeah, it looks very professional. It's it good. looks looks like you, <laughs> I thought. So if you're listening to Chiffon Stop and you're, uh, you're a dad, mm-hmm. or you might want to be a dad or you're interested in dadness yeah then uh, yeah you know take, take a listen Beardy yeah. Dads you'll find it on, on the internet yeah how often do you release it uh, I, well I'm ashamed to say weekly oh rude every week it's like a dagger to my heart I know isn't that dreadful <laughs> no that's great though because you, and you do it like over the phone or um, over Skype or something yeah so we, we Skype yeah. Um, which um, mm. seems to work alright actually mm. and we've talked about doing a bit a bit more on Chiffre and Stop to try, try that out as well mm. What are you making at the moment? Have you been making um, things? At the moment, I'm making the next issue and event of Hack Circus, which is going to be the next the weekend after this one. What's, so the, what's the theme? Of March. The theme is reality. So it's all about sort of perception and what's real and are we in fact just a brain in a jar? And how Ooh. do we know we're not? Are we in the um, matrix? If you look really closely at the world, can you see the pixels? And just kind of different opinions on that and different um, artists and makers who've dealt with fiction and reality in different ways. So that's going to be happening in Sheffield a week on Saturday. I mean, to sell the rest of the tickets over the next week. 15th. It's quite stressful. Yes. And where can uh, people go to buy tickets if they're going to be in Sheffield? Well, if you go to um, hackcircus.com, then you can order them through Eventbrite. Okay. And the link's on the page, so that'd be good. And they're not expensive, are they? It's five pounds. That's a bargain. It's a mere five pounds. That's a bargain. And you get music and performance and uh, really interesting talks from experts on things. And there'll be a bar, and we're, we're going to take over the whole art gallery, pretty much. So it should be really good fun. Oh, that'd be good. And the next issue is also themed on reality. It's going to be launched at the event and should be arriving at my house next Wednesday. So. Yeah, so that's issue two. I feel like when you get past two issues of a magazine, then you've got a real magazine. Then it's real. Because so many things fold on issue two, mm-hmm. I've discovered. So, um, yeah, I think I'll have to start on issue three, really, this week. Um, and I still don't really know what the theme's going to be. It might be something to do with secrets. Um, need to think about that a bit and decide it quite soon. And then, uh, yeah, so that's the main thing I'm making at the moment. And I've just made a new book, which has just arrived at my house today, which is good. A new book. Yes, I've got a new book out. <laughs> You've written a book. Yeah, it's um, it's been it was supposed to come out before Christmas, but due to um, mysterious forces <laughs> holding it up, yeah. it's only just come out. Uh, this is your third book, the, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, I I didn't write all of it. I wrote it with my friend Tim, and uh, so it's kind of a collaboration. And it's called The Inner Head, and you can go to theinnerhead.com and order The Inner Head. Um, over Amazon and it's about you're SEOing um, this episode <laughs> so if you're interested in the inner head you can go to the innerhead.com yeah well you never know maybe. What, sort, what sort of book is the inner head it's a book about mysteries and the unexplained but sort of a humour book definitely a humour book okay so it's um, all about and kind of new age beliefs and uh, things like divining and hypnosis and crystals and uh, astrology and all those kind of things and it pertains to be a guidebook to those things, but actually, but it's, it's not the most useful guidebook. <laughs> is it? Um, have you read any of John Hodgman's work? Uh, I don't know. I recognise the name. I don't know why. Maybe. Is it the same sort of thing? I don't know. Oh. I'm looking forward to reading it. Well, can I order a copy? You, in fact, you can have a copy. No, I need to pay money for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, only if I can order it on Amazon. Like, is it? You available? can order it on Amazon. It's. Uh, it's something like eight pounds on Amazon or something, okay. which well, seems a bit. It was steep, kind of you to reach into your bag to give me a freebie, <laughs> but no, I want to support your your oh, third I book. I appreciate it. Thanks. I'll listen to some more episodes of your podcast. <laughs> fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you've done seven already. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd probably have done three. Um, I thought I've got time to listen to those before Rue asked me about it. <laughs> yeah. Which was your favourite one? Oh, that bit of the first one that I listened oh, to. We talked about the the babies and the. <laughs> but I have, been, I have been following it, and I see that you get lots of comments, and you, yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting. It's good. Well, it's I mean, it's a fun project, but it's no book. 
<laughs> I think we should watch the Red Dwarf. Oh, let's. Uh, or attempt to. Yeah. Even it's, um, we're outside and there'll be like the background of tennis noise and things. Okay, so but, um, um, we should uh, remind people this is episode one of yeah. season one. The first ever episode. First ever episode. And uh, we're going we're gonna to count down so that you can start at the same time as us. Yeah. It does feel strange watching something on a screen in the out daylight. Outside. Well, I think normally... It, on a sunny summer's day it mm. would be impossible because even with your brightness up up full yeah. I think you would struggle with uh, do, you, do they still have do, do Max laptops still have that thing where you can reverse the colours so if it's a bright day you can see everything in like crazy reverse black and white neon yeah there's, that, a, there's a, a key combination for it to yes. make everything go inverse and it, it doesn't seem incredibly helpful to me <laughs> I'm not sure maybe if I had uh, if I had a, a condition of the eyes <laughs> I think it could create a condition of the eyes if you used it too much I think I have used it on really bright days but yeah there's probably better things that you could do yeah we're now we're now sitting with one with one bud in each ear from the same headphones like we're sitting on a school bench <laughs> listening to a mixtape no these days if you're listening to a spotify playlist mm. then you don't bother with headphones you just uh, you just have it, you just play it speaker. blaring it out yeah. of your speaker yeah fuck yeah. the world <laughs> that's what we should be doing if you're just like, you're flooding this park with red dwarf noise okay three okay so i'll count down from three and then uh after i say one then you click <laughs> You're clicking on the silent zero. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Right. So we've got uh, Lister painting the side of the ship with a broom. It definitely is him, <laughs> isn't it? You yeah. just get a hint of his little. I think they hair. clean it up. I think later on you can see more that it's him. Right. I th- that's my feeling about this. Now, the opening credits, I think, are really interesting on Red Dwarf. Mm. I don't have a lot of theories about Red Dwarf, but the opening credits, I think, give some hint of just the, the tedium, yeah. especially of his life, because mm. he's the lowest-ranking crew member, isn't he? Yeah. So he will, will be the one who's out repainting the hull, which is a stupid thing to do on a spaceship. Yeah. But it would be, you know, he would be the one that was doing that. Yeah, and there's just nobody else... Well, especially after the after the event. After the event, the which we'll one. come to later. Yeah, the only one who can do it. But it's not sexy and it's not fun no. or exciting. You know, you you start with no. the immediate drudgery. Uh, drudgery. <laughs> I love that torch shining out of the back of the, <laughs> <laughs> the hydrogen cone <laughs> or whatever it is. So their relationship, um, it, it's even just in the first few seconds, you can see how much they annoy each other. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it, it sets up what, what I suppose is a, a relationship that changes and develops over the over the uh, ten series. But um, I was hooked immediately. Really? Was it the same for you? Were you like into Red Wolf? I think I, think I didn't see these early series until um, after I'd seen a lot of the later ones. So, so what, what was the first series that you watched? Probably three, maybe. Um, so it was quite different then, but they still hated each other. But they, it was much kind of more shiny and showbiz and colourful. I suppose by then they'd bonded a bit as well, and you know they'd been through a lot mm. together. So yeah, I, I think it was the same. I think I probably started at season three or four, yeah, and then going back and watching the first ones, um, enjoying them even more. Mm. I found them. Yeah, I, I think the first ones are the best actually. There's, it's interesting how little continuity there is between these early two series and the later ones that there's like when they do bring up an old joke or an old reference it's quite exciting and quite fun it's like <laughs> oh Konchansky or like oh something that you mentioned in the first series and even just the you know, the actor playing Konchansky changing yeah. um, means that in my mind they're barely the same character no they're really, not yeah. at all you know Claire Grogan's so like the face of the 80s and then <laughs> I had a big crush on um first Kachansky on, on Grogan did yeah. you is it Claire Grogan yeah and their little hats so what are they doing oh is, this, is it the nozzle cleaning yeah. pipe cleaner thing he's got his uh, two different <laughs> types of pipe cleaner oh Chris Barry's a funny man as well I'm yeah. only really appreciating it now later in life I think yeah. at the time I just hated him he just a, does it so well character. that you, yeah. you obviously you just hate him There's and the no same other... in, in the um What's that? Uh, the British Empire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, it, well, actually, when you watch British Empire again as an adult, it's much more sympathetic, and you feel like I watched them all again in recent years, and really end up quite liking Gordon Brittis and sort okay. of quite feeling quite sorry for him, and 
appreciating that he had a vision and <laughs> and feeling quite slightly annoyed with everyone else for treating him so badly when all he oh. wanted to do was do a good job of running a <laughs> leisure centre. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris Barry is just amazing as a performer. Surprising he's not in more things. What do you think those things are behind them that have been spray painted grey against the wall there? They look like um, cartons that you might um, you boxes. might find seedlings in or something. Oh yeah, like. Um, Plugs, they call them, don't yeah, they? Yeah, plugs of, um, of grass center. or of... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're clearly not buttons. <laughs> and then the thing behind Rimmer's head is like a clearly broken computer. Oh, yeah, so like a circuit board that's been sprayed. I think it's just all the bits from an old computer. <laughs> Spread out across the walls. Yeah. No, it's a chicken. <laughs> You'll know you're in sync if you uh, got that in the same. Uh... <laughs> Has it been a while since you've seen these? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, probably a couple of years. Maybe three years, four years. We rewatched all of Red Dwarf pretty much in a one massive binge <laughs> around New this. Year. Yeah, yeah. But last year though. Oh, this... sorry. Yeah, last yeah, year. So early 2013, year we, yeah. we did it pretty much all. You say we, uh, you and Rachel. Rachel, yeah, she really oh, enjoyed it, actually. Really? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. She hadn't seen all of it. There were quite a few um, episodes that she'd never seen mm. before. Um, but, yeah, no, it holds together really well as a mm. as an entity. Every few years we end up watching West Wing from beginning to end oh, as yeah. well, yeah. Uh, which my friend Nick refers to as the wing cycle. <laughs> He's got a cigarette in his ear. Um, what did you make of Series 10? Uh, not as disappointing as I feared. Mm. Mm. Yeah. A, you know... It was okay. Yeah, I felt the same, I think. Todd Hunter. Todd Hunter. That's eating a pie. I was trying to work out what it was. I couldn't tell if it was a kebab or a... It looks like a foil... Bap. Yeah. It's interesting they made up all their own sort of space age slang and insults. Um, I was going to ask whether, I mean, Smeg and Smeg had come up a lot in Red Dwarf, yeah. but I was going to ask whether you thought they were already in widespread use or whether it was <laughs> a bit like Frack in Battlestar Galactica. They wanted to introduce a, a new a new term. No, they invented it for the show. Really? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You don't think it was uh, already a word beforehand? You think this is a, no, something they've, they've I think made they, up? They got it from Smegma, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. But they invented f- it for the show. Wow. Yeah, I think I, I think I read that in the Red Dwarfs magazine. <laughs> it's, uh, it's stuck. <laughs> 1993. Yeah, so, so it is like um, yeah, the frack of the 80s. Mm. But also, it's a bit like you'd never actually use those words outside of <laughs> Smeghead. I mean, you'd never use them anyway. Maybe, maybe you would if you were writing a letter to the Red Dwarfs magazine in 1993. <laughs> um, are you saying Smegazine, by the way? Smegazine, right, yeah. Okay, the, right, right, they've <laughs> gone for that. Yeah. Don't you remember the Red Dwarf Smegazine? I was not a, uh, a signed-up member, no. Uh, it, was, um, it was the Red Dwarf fanzine. Red Dwarf used to be really big, I think, in like the early 90s. And, yeah, no, it definitely uh, was. I love this uh, recurring theme in the early episodes of him, uh, of Rimmer needing to pass the exam yes. in order to further his career. Yeah, I think we were talking about this before, like who, who we identify more with out of Lister and Rimmer, and I think... I do sort of a bit like with Gordon Brittis I do appreciate Rimmer a lot more and I sort of see what he's trying to do yeah. and I I get him more <laughs> and everyone sort of wants to think they're like Lister and really lay back and don't give a shit about anything well Lister's clearly the cool one yeah yeah but I yeah I suppose I've always feared that I'm Rimmer <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have there are some moments in Red Dwarf especially in the first three or four series mm. where you really they, they do tug at the heartstrings and they do make mm. you feel very sorry for Rimmer yeah you know him him having dreams implanted from Lister yeah. and, you know, thing, things where you just think oh my goodness yeah I really really actually now understand where he's coming from mm. yeah he had a really really tragic background and he had you know he has values and he's aspiring to stuff in his own way yeah and um, yeah, he'd be easy to find irritating. Yeah. But I think once you understand him, he's quite he is very lovable. Yeah. Breed horses. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Horses and horses. The writing is quite good, isn't it? Yeah. As a comedy uh, author and and writer, do you do you think that they've done a good job from the from the early days? Uh, the writing, yeah. Uh, I think the writing's better than the acting. Certainly, that's true. Yeah. To, um, yeah. Yeah. There's some nice, like they've you know they've fleshed out the characters a lot, and they thought about the backgrounds and tried to bring it into everything. Especially like you say, they're introducing the characters here, so there has to be. Yeah. They have to tell you a lot. Yeah, there's a fair bit um, of exposition. We know even in the first couple of minutes, we know a lot about what makes them tick yeah but you're right it does in a way it does go downhill when it just degenerates into like in jokes and sort of those repeated gags that the just keep coming gags. back yeah, yeah that's what so really irritated tedious. me yeah. around series six i think they became yeah. very prevalent yeah and it was almost like you had to get the catchphrase in except the catchphrase was the format of a joke yeah you know the um space core directive yeah yeah nice to see holly yeah Aww. So apparently he wasn't uh, originally, um, well, I'm not sure if this is totally true, but I, re- I read once that um, they, they re-end, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pull out of this one because I'm not at all confident, mm-hmm. but I, I thought that they maybe initially weren't thinking of having his head on the screens and then they sort of added no, that in later. No, I think you might be right, yeah, I think you might be right. He was in EastEnders for a while, that guy on the left. Oh, yeah. Peterson, is it? No, on I don't the know, left. Peterson's, Peterson's on the right. On the right. He's he was the in first the show. show, but yeah. the guy on the far left was in EastEnders. Okay. This is great. Have you ever tried this? The, uh, uh, the, the intelligent test. No, I thought it was mean. <laughs> it's great. Such a bullying thing. Hmm. Olaf Peterson, uh, a, a recurring bit part. Yeah. Good bit of uh, physical acting. I don't remember him being this blonde. Do you think he was always that blonde, or did they dye him a bit, bleach him a bit for the... I don't know. Maybe with a name like <laughs> Olaf, they wanted to make him more yeah. Northern European. There's Jupiter Mining Core on the wall behind. Oh, yeah. Introducing the concept of holograms. I'm not sure they were entirely consistent with the rules of what makes holograms work. No. They sort of reinvented the sci-fi as they went along a bit. In the door, <laughs> when they needed they? to. Because yeah. obviously the hard light drive, you know, fixed a lot of the problems of yeah, not being yeah. able to touch things. Oh, yeah, so hard light, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll have some of that. But Magic even before that, light. I'm sure there are instances yeah. where oh, yeah. interacting yeah. a bit too much with non-hologram things. Yeah. But in the first one, they do make a big point of it because he walks through things and... Mm. Can't touch things or eat things. I feel like I should recognise this this guy. I, yeah, I feel like I do recognise him a bit, but I don't, I don't know what from. Do you think they tried to make the holograms look a bit more dead in the original? Because <laughs> he do looks you think quite it's just unfortunate, pasty and grey. It might just be the yeah the old film stock. Yeah, he's it's got very uh, pale lips, isn't he? And yeah, gone, yeah. Gone for it with the white makeup. You're right. In some ways, Red Dwarf. Um, shares quite a lot I suppose with, with Alien yeah it's very influenced by you're seeing quite a white collar existence in space it's yeah. not sexy sci-fi no and there's lots of people just kind of having a drink and messing around in the bar and just getting on with their jobs apparently they um, one of the ways that they helped get it commissioned was to say it's not going to be very expensive science fiction obviously sounds like a very expensive genre mm. um, but they said quite a lot of it if it came to it we could just film it in the BBC canteen obviously uh. they, they didn't do that but that was uh, one of the things that they, they told the commissioner I can imagine well, it's, there's a lot of grey in this episode and I think in Red Dwarf generally especially at the beginning but it's a grey that's very fashionable colour now if you try and buy anything on eBay right. everything's bloody painted grey <laughs> nice like wooden table it's fucking grey paint all over it we're coming back to it Ooh. even that cake was grey <laughs> <laughs> so there hasn't actually been much physical comedy yet it's been mainly talking and yep. character stuff yep. and some quite snappy dialogue it's not Aaron Sorkin but you know some good good back and forth dialogue I like yeah I think Rimmer's holding it up really because this is not in list Craig Charles isn't very good acting at this point no but, um, well, his, his sleeping acting that he's doing now yeah, is among the best moments of the episode okay. in terms yeah. of his acting. Just enjoying Rimmer walking around in his shorts. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the when they do reduce it to sort of slapstick physical stuff, it's, right. it becomes much less funny for me. What's Maybe an example of, of that? Where, where, where do they do that later? 
maybe in later uh, later episodes it happens a bit more I'm trying to think there are some really good physical bits in like back to reality there's some wonderful moments where they're they're all sharing a hallucination oh yeah that's true yeah Yeah, that's very good very good stuff yeah yeah. Robert Llewellyn sort of makes that as well He, he acts very well yeah yeah he's funny but sometimes there's just like it's just a bit lazy like there's a thing maybe in it's in one of these early episodes where uh, it might be this one where the captain is wearing like a chicken fancy dress costume it's just a bit like that's not, oh not yeah where well, he thinks think he's, he's, in, he's got some <laughs> he's, he thinks he's hallucinating but he's not he's actually, actually wearing it's actually Future Echoes the, I think might be the episode right. is that the one? yeah it could be I was trying to work out how he could be in it if it was an episode after this one but yeah because of the Future Echoes and that's a difficult problem as well once you've eliminated everyone oh spoilers <laughs> yeah, yeah but well. once, <laughs> once the event occurs mm. um, then you are left with a very small crew yeah um, and then obviously they, they find Crichton and that's, yeah. that's quite a nice moment and then Holly starts playing a much bigger part obviously yeah oh no vice versa so yeah Holly, Holly first then Crichton yeah. Oh, yeah, and they find the cat. That all, but that all happens in this episode. The cat happens in this. The, the Crichton is later. It's an oh, episode yeah. called Crichton. Yeah, okay, um, that's later in and this. And then Holly's Park gets built up, as you say. Yeah. Um, later on. But. Um, yeah, so you have to have the cat backstory, I suppose, yeah. But it's, it's good. You get the, the sort of core um, crew. Mm. And then there is quite a regular uh, recurring theme of finding an interesting alien civilization, and you know ha- having to interact with somebody new for the first time in a way that feels quite reminiscent of Star Trek I suppose well but they always said didn't they that it wasn't going to be like Star Trek because it was going to be bleak and they would never there would be no aliens in the Red Dwarf universe and for the first couple of series they, they stick quite hard to that um, well, there are aliens. Blur, well, Nothing's technically an alien. Yeah, it's all human created. It's so all the gelfs genetic, and everything, yeah. they've, they've all come from Earth, Yeah. ultimately. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's effectively, the, the letter it's, rather than the spirit. The same that, as that. <laughs> yeah. They might as well be aliens. But I like that they're not. They're quite sort of strict about it and say, you know, genetic like freaks can occur, but they're not technically aliens. Like the uh, magnetic discs... Yeah. The, the tapes in the background. Yeah, yeah. Teaching room. I like the font. It's, it's, it's quite playful, isn't it? It's quite an interesting, yeah. interesting choice of font. It's quite hand done. Have you read any of the Red Dwarf books? This there's a scene like this in the book. Yeah, it's, I think they're really quite well written, actually. Yeah, I can't remember that well. I read them many years ago, but I enjoyed them. Uh, Last Human and back. Oh. Infinity back. welcomes careful drivers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, better than life. Better than life. Yeah, I think yeah. I've read all three of those. That's great. I love that as a concept. Just like, oh, I, I can't think of what else to do. <laughs> yeah. The ink is on my hand. I'll just slap it down. Salute. Oh, it's tragic. Oh, it's those adorable. Just... Oh, bless him. Oh, comedy four. Oh, look at these old computers in the foreground. Oh, now we get to meet Kachansky for the first time. I think. Oh yeah. So smoky in there. But it's always said captain's office. She's pretty adorable. She's very cute. I love her hair in this. Yeah. <laughs> How's that hat even staying on? <laughs> so the captain comes back in series eight, nine. Does he? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's the prison series and the mm. yeah. yeah I was trying to back. avoid that. Stuff in the background. More of those rolls of tape in the background yeah. or whatever they are. So you see in a lot of um early Red Dwarf you see Esperanto being used as oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. sci fi second language that yeah. humanity's adopted for itself. Which I think is happening there, because that's not his yeah. name, is it? The, no, the word I underneath think you're captain right. is yeah. uh, the word for captain. This, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's been in some serious stuff. Has he? Yeah, I, I think don't, so. I, don't know who I need is. IMDb in front of me to be able to do this properly. Yeah. No Wi Fi out here, even in 2014. I always liked his badges and his outfits and stuff. It was quite... Lister's style was something I always thought was very cool and fun. It's quite a unique style, isn't it? I wonder mm. where they've you know, pieced together all these different yeah. bits of costume. They based it on something, wasn't they? Or a few influences. 
Dear stalker. You were telling me a while ago that the one with the uh, photography, uh, the the photographic ink that's mutated, where you can go back into the time past, slides, time yeah. slides, uh, that the the younger version of Lister yes. is his is actually his cousin or I his. I think it's his cousin. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I don't think it quite looks enough like him to be a younger version of him <laughs> either. It's like a bit, they could have done better there. I think. tragic bit of exposition of uh, stasis and how it works ah uh, yeah so has he got changed in the last Lister's wearing a different outfit now is yeah, yeah for some reason day? he's got a Hawaiian shirt on <laughs> uh, maybe, it, maybe now is the day of his stasis storage locker I like the idea of stasis I think when they were writing it I remember reading the interview with uh Rob Grant and Doug Naylor saying that they just watched loads and loads of Star Trek, read loads and loads of science fiction, just yeah. spent like it six shows a little bit, doesn't reading it? Yeah. loads. Yeah, and they're like, let's use all these ideas. I love the uh, bodged together nature of the Red Dwarf from the outside. Yes. And the various components that they've clumped <laughs> together to. And there we go, the event has occurred, yeah. but he doesn't know it yet. Which is possibly one of the funnier moments of mm. Red Dwarf Series 1, this conversation with, with Holly. It's slightly epic this episode, isn't it? It's slightly got quite a kind of massive, ambitious storyline in a way. Yeah. It's like it's a you know it's a novel. They've done a big thing here. Whereas later episodes are just like, oh, they found a monster made out of some curry. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try but and kill it. Just, with a bazookoid. Just, uh, <laughs> we've come forward a long way in time, and all of humanity has died. Yeah. Everybody's dead, Dave. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Norman love it. I love him with this. <laughs> Everybody's dead. <laughs> well, they must have planned to have him on a screen because every every important scene has started with a screen. Mm. Well, you never know. They could have done the some test stuff with just the voice. Useful coincidence, but yeah. you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you trying to You know, in what he's dead in the white hole episode where is it yeah with a oh, talkie toaster hole. and uh, <gasps> talkie toaster that's, that's the best yeah that's yeah. the second version of talkie toaster but that's a very good episode the uh, you know how Holly becomes like a disembodied head yeah. and um, floats in the air and reading into you with her where she was, Hattie Hayward was saying that they thought about keeping her hair like that because oh, yeah. like when they slicked it all down it's very uh, Sinead O'Connor yeah but they, they thought it looked too good. <laughs> no, we can't have a... a bit too hot, slick. We can't have such a cool-looking uh, face on the screen. That is a particularly good look, though. It was good. It suits her incredibly well. Yeah, so much better than the weird bob that she had through the whole thing. The uh, highly pixelated graphics for Holly mm. in the first mm. series. Yeah, things got quite low resolution in the future for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the... <laughs> Can we make a joke? You feel like the audience aren't quite laughing enthusiastically enough at some of this. What the um, the studio audience? The, yeah, the yeah, track. sort of. Yeah, that library book joke. Well, I guess at this stage, they this was their first experience of it. Like they in in the first series yeah. of any comedy, they yeah. don't know the characters. They they're still coming to terms with it. Yeah. yeah, and with this, it's not even sure itself how tragic versus funny it is. So mm. difficult mm. for the audience to gauge. Yeah, it's got to be hard, doesn't it? Mm. They've, um, I quite. <laughs> I think the um, the amount of laughter in the first one is about right. I think they get. Um, does it have laughter all, in all the series? I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Ne- nearly all of them. Um, mm. But yeah, it does become a bit louder once once people know the characters and mm. they know what's coming a little bit better. Quite like the set design of the lights and stuff on the on the control panels. Yeah, it's quite spacey, isn't it? Yeah, better than just the grey painted uh, pots. So does he look a bit paler, do we think? <laughs> they left him looking out. a bit dead. They should have given him, like, a shimmery effect. <laughs> a shimmery effect would have cost millions I of know. pounds. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> in 1984, 1982. But don't you get that effect naturally anyway if you sort of stand in front of a green screen or... This was probably the most expensive uh, oh, yeah. scene in the... Yeah, they could have done it all in green screen, I suppose. Mm. It's annoying, though. <laughs> it would have made Lister's acting even worse. <laughs> 
The H was very big in this it's series. Very big. <laughs> yeah, you can tell Dominic exactly which series it is by, by the shape of the H, can't you? I remember at university I did philo- a philosophy course for a while and um, there was a, a picture... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> there was a picture of, uh, I think it was Wittgenstein on the wall in the philosophy seminar room yeah. and someone had drawn an H on his forehead because he looks exactly <laughs> like Rimmer. That's brilliant. So good. I always remember that. <laughs> I thought, brilliant. So one of my people is in this universe. <laughs> and Lister never gets to be a hologram at all, does he? Oh, no, he does in Body Swap, so he has a go. But then it's still Rimmer, or is it? Uh, oh, no, no, it is. no, he yeah, gets yeah. to be, yeah. yeah. that's true, they swap bodies. But for some reason, has to take on the visual appearance of List of Rimmer to stop them getting confused with each other. I'm trying to remember. So Lister. I'm trying to think if it's always Lister's body as Lister's body, and then Rimmer as the hologram, regardless of who is inside it. Yeah. Is, is Rimmer always the hologram and Lister always the human? But they could have booted up Rimmer's. They could have booted up Lister's disc and put his. Right. That would have made more sense. Yeah. <laughs> they chose not to do but that. But instead they used they the used rimmer disc and reprogrammed <laughs> put, it. Put Lister's voice inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really trying to get this Meg stuff through in the first episode, aren't they? Really making it happen. Just underline the repeated <laughs> use of it. Yeah. Oh. Sad music. A bit more blue screen. What's going on on that screen in the background? That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and now we see the cat, I believe. Ooh. There brilliant. he is. Ow! Yeah, he was pretty rubbish for a while, the cat. Do I'm you think quite it glad was a they bit developed his character. Sort of laid on quite thick in the first... <laughs> it's first. a little bit. What do you reckon? <laughs> do you think, think a tiny bit over the top? <laughs> it's nice that he gets to sort of do some dancing and stuff, because he's good at that kind of thing. He was, um... In Maid Marion, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was in Cats. I didn't the musical. Know that. Yeah, I'm sure he was. And yeah, he was. Um, what's his character's name in Maid Marion? Um, something being would be like Bartholomew or something. Yeah, he gets much more interesting and appealing as the series roll on as a character. Yeah, he's always written as very stupid. Yeah. <laughs> which I think cats aren't, actually. It's one mm. of the things that um, annoys me a little bit about it, that yeah. cats could be a lot more calculating and, and a lot more devious than he is. Yeah, they don't really use his cat skills very realistically at all. Bit silly. It's quite interesting, like, it sort of adds to the tragedy that there are no functional human beings on the ship <laughs> apart from Lister. <laughs> like, he's thinking he's got another humanoid and it's like, yeah. oh no, actually oh, they're just a robot. Different species. Or they're, a, um, yeah. or they're dead or, yeah, they're just a stupid cat. But there, in this initial thing you get quite a sweet, like, he treats, he treats the cat like he, it's his pet cat, which is quite cute. And he'll kind of go, oh, I'll get you some milk. Right, yeah, and he's looking after him. Cause yeah. And they, they always have that bond, really, Lister and the cat. And then sort of yeah, Rimmer and the cat the don't get on very shows. well. No. I suppose part of that relationship is because, as we'll find out maybe later in this episode, but certainly quite soon, we'll find out that um, Lister is also his god. <laughs> yes. Custer. <laughs> Custer the stupid! <laughs> The floor. <laughs> oh, it's scary how many of the lines I know. Yeah. Even the desk is grey, for God's sake. <laughs> and the bedding. I remember them saying they introduced some stuff in later episodes to add some colour to the background. Like, I think there's a big yellow banana or something in their room that right. appears in the next couple of episodes. And just, like, <laughs> watching this back going, fuck, it's really grey. Yeah, <laughs> it's really something yellow in shot. It's dark, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Stasis still work because they could put some other stuff in it. Well, just could, leave it in there, see what happens. I think they they talked briefly about putting him in it and just heading back, which would 
make it a pretty uh, straightforward story, really. I mean, yeah. it, it would now be uh, a very, very long time before you get back to Earth, but mm. I think he partly does it out of um, out of uh, sort of fellow feeling for for the other characters that he doesn't want to leave them oh. alone and you know just yeah yeah. I think R- Rimmer doesn't like the idea of Lister um, going to sleep while. No, he just waits for thousands of years. Oh, here it is, Lister. Yeah, the stupid. <laughs> Oh, there's an episode where Rimmer is left on his own planet for 400 years yeah, and, he does and go overthrown yeah. by all his descendants. Yeah. Sits in a cell with those worry balls. Fiji. Oh. It's fun. Or is it? The beginning. So, yeah. <laughs> this is Rimmer's face, though. <laughs> and a good theme tune. Brilliant theme tune. Should we see who else was in it? Options credits. Norman Lovett. Mark Williams, of course. C.P. Grogan still mm. in those days. Peter Rag. It's names that you see everywhere. And this music was by Howard Goodall, wasn't it? He's mm. written millions of theme tunes. I used to work with Mario Dubois. Was that one of the names that just went past? Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, he worked at the BBC for a very long time. Maybe he still does, but um, That's yeah, he cool. was uh, he was early early days of Red Dwarf. We should have got him in as a guest. Yeah. Talk about working on Red Dwarf. It's good. So that was eighty two. That episode. Not eighty two. Surely yeah. seven. 87. Oh, sorry. Am I? There's a, am there's I, a V there. Gosh, there's a, there's a V. Yeah, I thought it was uh, eighty four or eighty two, but no, it turns out no, nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, late eighties. Yeah. But yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was fun. Wish another one next yeah. time. <laughs> I hope I hope other people liked it. Um, the the X Files episode seemed to go down quite well. Yeah, and I, I feel like we had more to say about Red Dwarf. Like we, I think we like it more. We like it more. And we know more about it, and it's there's a bit more going on. Whereas yeah. X Files is a bit more atmospheric, and you just sit and watch it. <laughs> and I think of things to say about it. But yeah, we we definitely like it more as well. That was good. You've been listening to Chiffron Stop. Yeah, um, hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought of the uh, the Red Dwarf commentary and uh, send us some snacks. We haven't had any user-generated snacks for ages. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, you can send them to Rue Reynolds, 6th floor, mm. Aviation House, 125 Kingsway, London, and then a postcode. Just any postcode. Yeah, you need the postcode. We'll make oh. it a lot easier. <laughs> but you can Google for Aviation House Kingsway, and mm. that will tell you the postcode. And... I know, I know I shouldn't be saying this, but even if you don't put a postcode, sometimes the letter gets there. Don't risk it. <laughs> I want these snacks. All right. Good. Um, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll hope to see you again next time uh, in less than three months' time yeah, on Chiffron Stop. Aim for that. Yeah. Cool. See you soon. Bye, Lola. Bye. Bye. That was Shift Run Stop, available on iTunes or from the website shiftrunstop.co.uk.